supporting middle leaders in schools, guiding the senior leadership of tomorrow, and developing your successful career in education. This is Edgecast from NAHT Edge. Welcome to what is the fifth episode of Edgecast, and there really is a great deal of content this month which covers the school teachers' pay and conditions document. Numerous permutations will be explored as we hear from Sally Langren, our specialist advisor, who explains all in a two-part interview. There's an audio blog on Senkos and the Send reforms. Very interesting piece, that, so do stay with us. The news looks into the falling numbers on the SEN register and also asks if Key Stage 3 really is a lost opportunity. Expert advice and the sharing of ideas. Edgecast. So, just before Sally sets out the essential information on STPCD... Make sure you listen right to the end of the podcast as we've some extremely useful details on courses that are on offer from NAHT Edge. So to the first part of my two-part interview with Sally Langren on pay and conditions. And first, what do schools have to do in relation to teachers' pay? Maintain schools, so that's uh, local authority schools, uh, voluntary aided schools and foundation schools must implement the provisions of the school teachers paying conditions document. So that means that 1% must be applied to the statutory minima of all pay ranges and teacher allowance bands. So by teacher allowance bands, I mean TLR1, TLR2 and TLR3 and also the SEN allowance band. In addition, 1% must be applied to the statutory maxima of all pay ranges and teacher allowance bands, but there are two exceptions. 2% must be applied to the statutory maximum of the main pay range, and no increase should be applied to the statutory maxima of the eight head teacher group ranges. In addition, of course, we have academies and free schools, and that will very much depend on whether they incorporate the school teachers paying conditions document into contracts. If they do, they must apply at least what is written into the school teachers paying conditions document, or otherwise they'd be in breach of contract. In reality, actually, some of the academy chains appear to be going beyond what is required. For example, they're uplifting the maxima of their eight head teacher group ranges by 1% which is not allowed in the maintained sector. So, so can a school still use pay points within ranges? And, and if so, will they be uplifted by the 1%? Yes, they can still use pay points. Um, the school teachers' pay and conditions document has actually removed all the pay points from the actual statute, but you are allowed to use pay points. The school teacher review body, which is the independent review body uh, which makes recommendations to the Secretary of State on teachers' pay, did actually say that if governing bodies wanted to use pay points, they could continue to use them. And actually, NEHT Edge would recommend that schools do use pay points. It is then down to each governing body to decide whether to implement the uplift to those pay points, and if so, how they will uplift them. So far, most policies I've seen uh, are continuing to use pay points and are automatically uplifting the pay points by 1%. However, it is important for you to check your own school's pay policy to see if and how the governing body will apply the uplift. Why was 2% added to the statutory maximum of the main pay range and not the upper pay range? 
Right. Well, the, the school teacher review body, which, as I mentioned earlier, is the independent uh, pay review body for teachers, recommended a 2% uplift to the maximum of the main pay range in order to attract new graduates to teaching. The review body said that they felt that when deciding on a career, many graduates will look at the pay they might achieve within the first five years of that career. It didn't feel that gra graduates would look beyond uh, five years, hence the 2% on the maximum of the main pay range rather than on the maximum of the upper pay range. So what about allowances then, Sally? What happens if you're not on the minima or maxima uh, of the allowance bands? Well, actually, the school teacher review body made no recommendation whatsoever on what we call allowances in payment, i.e. something between the minima and the maximum. However, many schools, I think, are just uplifting all allowances by 1%. Again, it's very important just to check your pay policy to see what your school is doing. More from Sally in just a few minutes. That audio blog on Senkos and the Sen reforms isn't too far away. Hear all about a very noteworthy piece of research by Bath Spa University, soon in Edgecast. There's that, the courses you can go on, and news. The news and information from NAHT Edge. In this bulletin, a dramatic fall in the number of children classed as SEN, an early year's place for all, challenges facing the profession in working for longer, and key stage three... The Wasted Years? We start with news that the number of children registered as having special educational needs is dropping sharply as schools respond to government policy changes. Almost two-thirds of Senkos surveyed for Bath Spa University's study said the number of children on their school's SEND register had fallen following major reforms introduced last year. Reasons given for this plunge included children who had previously been categorised as School Action or School Action Plus were no longer eligible for support and the changes were a way to reduce the number of pupils being supported given budgets and time pressures. The research highlighted some positive aspects of the reforms, with a number of Senkos stating they had brought about greater parental engagement and encouraged teachers to take more responsibility for children with SEN. NAHT has set out its recommendations for the 30 hours free childcare policy. Following consultation with a large number of members, the association is in talks with government to discuss how best to implement the childcare bill. NAHT's four key recommendations are... It's imperative the DfE develops a national fair funding formula for nursery education. Government needs to work with the sector to understand the issue of capacity and consider how to ensure there's enough provision to meet demand. The provision of capital funding is key to the success of this policy and, crucially, schools will need time to implement this policy and ascertain how it will be implemented well in advance, particularly if it means they'll have to reduce the number of children they currently support. The full and early years place for all report can be found on nahtedge.org.uk forward slash news and views. 65% of school leaders don't feel able to work in their current roles until the age of 68. That's according to a recent survey. More than 3,400 NAHT and NAHT Edge members gave their views on the impact of teachers working for longer with the stress of the role their biggest issue. Phased retirement was the most popular suggestion for supporting teachers to work for longer, with working shorter hours ranked second. The perceived restriction of the teachers' pension scheme and the lack of clarity about what's possible under it were cited as the top barriers to the introduction of shorter working hours. 
A detailed breakdown of members' responses can be found in the full report available online. And finally, Key Stage 3 must become a higher priority for school leaders, says Ofsted, after its investigation found the quality of teaching and the rate of pupils' progress weren't good enough. Its survey, which included responses from school leaders, inspectors and pupils from year 7 to 9, discovered teaching at Key Stage 3 failed to challenge and engage pupils. In around half of the modern foreign language classes observed, the level of achievement wasn't satisfactory. This low level of attainment was also detected in history and geography lessons. As a result, take-up of these subjects at Key Stage 4 was low. The report states... Key Stage 3 must become a higher priority for secondary school leaders. They mustn't allow Key Stage 3 to become a lost opportunity. Instead, they need to ensure high-quality teaching and assessment enables pupils to make the best possible progress. NAHT General Secretary Russell Hobby said he welcomed a change in focus. Now, I am quite pleased that in the new Ofsted framework, they are devoting much more attention to the current performance of pupils rather than the legacy uh, performance in previous years. Um, if the inspection teams follow the guidance, that might create the opportunity uh, for schools to, to put, pay more attention to Key Stage 3. So uh, we may be able to address this problem. With all the news on Edgecast, I'm John Peters. Connect with our tweets at NAHT Edge. This is Edgecast, the podcast of NAHT Edge. Let's go back to Sally Langren for the second part of our conversation on the Teachers' Pay and Conditions document and what Sally thinks the future holds for Teachers' Pay. It was announced in the last budget, and I'm sure many of you will have actually seen that. The public sector pay restraint will continue for the next four years at 1%. Although NEHT Edge believes that any pay uplift should be discreet from any performance-related pay award, it is looking increasingly likely that the government's agenda is to conflate the two. However, what is worth noting is that the school teacher review body has asked the Secretary of State for a further remit on teachers' pay to enable a fuller review of the national pay framework to ensure that schools are able to attract and retain high-caliber graduates in an increasingly competitive labor market. The review body expressed its concerns to the Secretary of State about the recruitment and retention of teachers. It very much noted that schools were having difficulty actually uh, recruiting good classroom teachers. This sort of paints rather a gloomy picture. However, just to say that I am, through advice to head teachers, suggesting that they look at other ways to keep teaching an attractive career. For example, one of the things I do suggest to head teachers is they look at creating leading practitioner posts. This role actually could add a further career stage for good or outstanding classroom teachers in schools. In addition, because the role can actually do outreach work, it means that the home school can sell the services of the leading practitioner to other schools, thereby recuperating salary costs. So, for example, the leading practitioner could be asked to go in to another school to perhaps to hold workshops or group sessions. So this leading practitioner role, I think, is quite an important role because of adding that further career stage. Many heads, actually, are getting quite excited about the idea of leading practitioner roles because they, too, want to keep their good or outstanding classroom teachers in the classroom. Um, if anybody wants to read a little bit more on the leading practitioner role, then do have a look on the NEH 
EDGE website and there are separate advice notes, one on professional responsibilities and one on pay. So to wrap up with, uh, is there any other advice that you'd have, Sally? I think it's becoming increasingly important that uh, members of NEHT EDGE do hang on to all their paperwork. And by paperwork, I do mean all your pay slips, contracts and any other Um, perhaps a variation to contract, you might get an email about your terms and conditions, hang on to it all and don't be tempted to throw anything out. So often we find people move house and, you know, have a clear out and it's really important to hang on to it. The the reason behind this is that we're seeing an awful lot of new employers through the academies and free school um, agenda. In addition, we've got different pension schemes running now. We've got schools moving away from the national pay pay framework. And consequently, there is the potential for more payroll and pension errors. So, as I said, make sure you get any changes to your terms and conditions in writing and hang on to that paperwork. And it's better to keep it in paper format because obviously technology changes over time. We all remember floppy disks or some of us (laughs) might remember floppy disks and it's likely things like memory sticks in the future might uh, be overtaken by other things. Mm. So do keep things in paper format. So keep everything. Sally, thanks ever so much for your time. Nice to talk to you. Bye. And Sally's written a blog on the importance of keeping a copy of everything. You can find it on nahtedge.org.uk under the News and Views tab. We know high-quality professional development is key to your success as a middle leader. NAHT Edge offers a range of courses that can be tailored to your specific workplace. Whatever your phase, sector or group size, we can work with you to meet your staff's needs. Offering hand-picked credible facilitators, we will ensure you make the most of your budget and can also work with clusters of schools. Popular NAHT Edge tailored training courses include first steps in leading, teaching and learning, which looks at modelling good practice and widening your influence, and our Managing Difficult Conversations course, which will help you to understand how to make expectations clear and consider the techniques of communication and influence. If you'd like to know more about how these or any of our other courses could be delivered for you and your team, contact the events team at events at naht.org.uk. Now, from time to time, we like to bring you audio versions of relevant articles and blogs. And one of those is the piece on Senkos and the Send Reforms, written by freelance journalist Susan Young. Being a Senko can feel like a lonely role and perhaps never more so than in the past year, because the job has involved introducing some pretty wide-ranging reforms, working in a new way with parents, pupils and the local authority, and being encouraged to take a more strategic view of your daily work. A fascinating piece of research was presented at the British Educational Research Association's annual conference in September by Helen Curran, a Senko specialist from Bath Spa University. She's been following groups of Senkos through the reforms and her preliminary findings may strike a chord in many staff rooms. Her paper focuses on the replies of Senkos to questionnaires just before the reforms and six months later. An initial point made by the author is the reforms don't appear to have been well communicated to target groups. 
In the pre-September 2014 questionnaire, the Senko said none of their pupils and just 11% of parents knew what was coming, compared with 67% of teachers, 69% of governors and 94% of head teachers. More worryingly, they thought the reforms were understood by just 4% of parents, 13% of teachers, 24% of governors and almost 70% of heads. More than 90% of respondents wanted more support to implement reforms. All of the research subjects were members of SENCO groups and 80% got support this way. Almost two-thirds had support from their head teacher and one-third from governors. But just 13% thought their local authority was ready for the changes. Time or lack of it was the biggest barrier to the role for 70% of the respondents. Time to be able to make proactive changes rather than firefighting, said one Senko, prompting Curran to point out it would be hard for Senkos to take on a more strategic role without the time to do so. Other significant barriers included other roles, 78%, resources and cooperation of staff, mentioned by a third and a quarter of respondents. The paper says it was illuminating that when asked how other staff would describe their role, the term fixer was used repeatedly. Six months on, the Senkos thought parents were better informed and engaged, and teachers were more accountable for children with SEN in their classes and more proactive. There was a pretty even balance between those who were satisfied, 32%, and dissatisfied, 36%, with support for implementation. Many wished the process had been both more gradual and more prescriptive. Considering Senkos across the country all need to do the same thing, it still feels like I am reinventing the wheel alone, said one Senko. The report adds... Senko's reported competing policy issues within schools made the SEND reforms less of a priority. Namely, the SEND reforms were introduced on the same day as the new national curriculum. The report suggests the reforms have brought about other changes than those described in the legislation and code of practice. The most commonly mentioned task of the first six months was reviewing the SEN register. Noticing this, Curran asked whether registers had changed as a result of the reforms. 63% had reduced their register after September 2014, and 82% of those said this was the result of the new code. Most had looked again at the definition of SEN and the new SEN support category. A number of Senkos reported since the introduction of the codes they had reflected on the difference between a child receiving SEN support and a child with SEN. A number of Senkos were only recording and seemingly monitoring children who were in receipt of SEN support or in some instances had access to external agencies. As a consequence, the number of children reduced. Children who may have an identified SEN, such as autism spectrum or dyslexia, would only be on the SEN register if they were in receipt of additional support, says the report. Some Senkos had removed children previously on school action from the register, with them creating lists of children causing concern or being monitored. The report says this raises important questions. Over-identification of SEN has been raised as a concern historically, and it would appear the code has given Senkos leverage to evaluate who exactly should be recorded as SEN. 
It's also important there's continued reflection on the difference between SEN and underachievement or lack of progress. Yet it does raise some further questions. Who exactly is identified as SEN and how is this decided? If there has been a shift in understanding relating to the notion of who counts as SEN support within a school, how has this change been managed, particularly in terms of communicating this decision with parents? Well, thanks for being with us on Edgecast, and naturally you can see that blog on our website. At NEHT Edge is our Twitter handle, where there's always something informative like DFE consultations, conference tweets, and signposts to other vital articles. We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. See you next time.